The following audio is from Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission, to make and mature disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org. Acts chapter 3 verse 1 is where we're going to be at this morning. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Look at that, the sun came out just in time for us to preach the Word of God. Amen? Yeah, we need, a, we need that rain to go away. Alright, so Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Alright, so uh, during this, this time, this, this time of, of what's going on, everybody's got different needs, right? Everybody's got different needs and uh, one of the things we've been asking in our videos is, what, what is it that you need? What, what can we help you with? What is it that you need during this time? Uh, and, and people have different needs. Some people right now, we need some milk. We need some eggs. We need some, some meat. We need some toilet paper. Amen? We need some toilet paper. Yeah. For some people, for some people we need some social interaction. Right? We're, we're tired of being cooped up in our house. We, want, we, we need some social interaction, some time with other people. We're missing that. I saw this morning uh, a group of ladies were so hungry to get away from their kids for a moment and have a moment of, of interaction with other ladies that they brought their cars to a park, parked them kind of like they are here, very far apart in a semicircle, and sat there, drank coffee, and talked to each other just because they were wanting social interaction so bad. For, for some people, yeah, for some people it's entertainment. They're hungry for some entertainment. There's only so many shows you can watch on Netflix before you get to the dark part of it where it's like really weird and you're like, I shouldn't be watching this, right? There's only so much to watch. For some people, it's productivity. You're, you're so bored at your house, you need some productivity in your life right now. You need to be able to get out and do something. I went to Lowe's yesterday to get some weed and feed for the yard and I realized that everybody else had the exact same idea. Everybody's dying to do something so they've mowed their grass 20 times this week and they're doing weed and feed and they're working in the flower beds just so they can be productive. I, uh, I told Becca this week that she needed to go back to work because she's, uh, she's, she's got this thing to where she's bored and so she's taking it out on me. And uh, what she's done so far is one, uh, the other day we were taking a nap and, uh, and she woke up before I did and went to go run and, and left her clothes in the bed, trying to make me think that the rapture had happened. She had laid them all out neat, nice and neat and put her shoes there so that when I would wake up, I would think that the rapture had happened, which didn't affect me because I knew if the rapture happened, I would go before she did. So, uh, and, then, and then a couple of days later, she got those little firework things that you throw on the ground, the kids throw on the ground, they pop, and she put them underneath the toilet seat so that whenever I sat down, it would go pow real loud and scare me to death. And so I told her she needs some productivity in her life and go back to work. We all have needs during this time, and some of those needs are greater than the others, right? So some, of, some of the needs that we have are greater than other needs. Uh, our kids in this, in this time are loving this. this. They're living their best life because there's no school, and they can just stay home all day and, and play. And so uh, they're living their best life, and, and, and it's gotten to the point to where we've had to take all of the snacks in the house, and hide them in our bedroom because they will literally eat all day long all the snacks. They have no like concept that grocery stores have no food and they're just eating us out of house and home. And, and their greatest need in their mind right now is more video game time. 
Because we limit their game time. They, they constantly, can I get some time? Can I get some time? Can I get some time? It's like they're addicted to video games. Can I get some time? I mean, just a little bit of time. Can I get some of that time, right? And, and, and they're freaking out about it. And, 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 but they have no awareness of reality. They're fixated on things that don't matter. And when, and when there's this time of craziness, they're fixated on things that don't matter. And sometimes we can be like that, right? Our focus can be so great on something that we perceive it as the most important thing. Our focus can be so great on one little thing that we fixate on it, and we think that it is the most important thing. We focus so much on our immediate circumstances that they start to dictate our actions and our outlook on life. We get so focused on the things that are happening around us that it starts to affect our attitude. It starts to affect our hope. It starts to affect our personality and how we treat other people. In Acts 3, this morning, verse 1, we're going to see a great example of this. Acts 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth, and for the kids here and the teenagers, lame does not mean a dork or boring. It means he couldn't walk, all right? There's a man who was lame from birth, was carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful, so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he looked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit at the, and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. So from this text, real quick this morning, I want to pull three things that we need this morning. The three things that we need the most this morning. Number one is we need hope. This morning with everything going on, we need hope. In verse 2, he says, A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. Right after high school, I had to go get a job because my parents said, you got to go get a job. So I went and got a job, and I went to this call center down the road, uh, down 365, almost to Finette on the right. I went and got this, this call center job, and I worked for a company called Wow Internet and Cable. And my, my job was to do billing over the phone and do tech support and that kind of stuff, which I thought was going to be a fun job because it was technical and it was not, like, crazy. It was inside in the air conditioner. It would be great. And so I went and did that and uh, realized real quick my schedule was from 2 p.m. to 10 p.m., which is a terrible schedule. And so I found myself, I'd get off at 10, and then I'd be all amped up because I'd been dealing with angry customers all day. I'd go home, and I'd be up for several hours trying to wind down. I'd go to bed about, sleep about 2, 2 a.m., and then I'd sleep till about 10 or 11, get up, shower, go eat lunch, and go back to work. And that became my routine every single day, every single day. And I quickly realized I do not like this job because I have no life. My life has become not living life, but surviving life. And I hated it, right? And, and this guy here that we read about, he's just surviving. 
He's been brought to the temple gate his whole life simply hoping to get enough money to eat and survive until the next day. That has been his goal his entire life is to just, I just need enough money so that I can eat and wake up the next day and do life again. And he got to a point to where he was just surviving until the next day. He had no hope or expectation of healing, no hope for life. He had accepted his fate. That was his life. This, this just every day surviving to the next day. How many of us are guilty of this? We get so inundated by our circumstances that we start to just survive rather than focusing on the hope that we have in Christ. When we get to a point where we're just surviving, then it leads to no hope. We, we have no hope for the future. We just survive day to day. We lose hope for healing for our marriages. We lose hope for healing for our children. We lose hope for healing from our addictions. And in this time, it feels like so many people have lost hope. There's no end date to what's going on right now, and people are, are just, just depressed and, and upset, and they feel like there's no hope for tomorrow. But the reality is, Christ is our hope. Christ is our hope, and we must focus on him. We can't get so stuck in the circumstances that we forget who our hope is in. It's radically important at this point in your life, with everything that's going on, to remember that your hope is Christ. He is our hope. Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. He says in Titus 2.13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is not just who we put our hope in. He is the personification of hope in our life. He is our hope. He's who gives us hope, and he is our hope. We can't let ourselves get so focused on our circumstances that we start to just survive and lose hope. Our hope is in Christ, and we can expect spiritual healing in life because he has promised it. Christ has promised us spiritual healing in life. And he, our hope is in Christ because he allows us to experience that healing in life despite our circumstances. Despite what's going on, we can experience life because our hope is in Christ. It's what sets us apart from the rest of the world. The rest of the world endures something like this with no hope and they're afraid and they're fearful. But we don't have to be afraid and fearful because our hope is in Christ. So number one, we need hope. Number two, we need healing. Verse three, it says this, when he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver, silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up. And at once, his feet and ankles became strong. God had something far greater than this guy could have ever expected. Can you imagine? He's just there to get some spare change to allow him to get to the next day. And instead of that, they give him healing. They make him alive again. They allow him to go and live life like he always wanted. Our uh, second oldest, Jackson, a while back got some money for his birthday. And he got, he got like 300-something dollars, which is ridiculous for a kid who's that young. But he got like 300-something dollars. And it was so much money, he couldn't fathom the potential of what he could buy. Like he couldn't, it didn't set in his head what $300 really means. And so just like every other little kid, he was wanting to go spend it immediately, right? You get, a kid gets a dollar, they're ready to go spend it like immediately. And so uh, 
We took him to Walmart, and he's walking through the, through the shelves, and he's picking up, like, these toys that are, like, $1 and, like, $2. I'm like, Jackson, you don't understand the potential of what you have here. There's, there's potential to go buy a PS4 if you want. I mean, you can go buy just about anything you want for $300 that your little mind could dream of. And, and, and he just couldn't understand or fathom the potential that was available to him. And I feel like that's where this guy was at. And he's having this conversation with Peter John, and he looks at him and says, hey, can I get some spare change? And he doesn't understand the reality of the potential of the conversation that he's having, that God is about to bless him with a healing that's going to radically change his life. And immediately following this event, Peter and John and this guy go into the temple, and people are amazed at the physical healing, and Peter uses this opportunity to preach the gospel. He uses this opportunity, this, this, uh, this story, this situation of going on as an illustration to prove a point. And so he goes into the temple and he starts to preach to the crowds. And, and if you look down to verse 19, here's what he says. Therefore repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. The seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. Peter used the physical healing of this lame man to make the point to his crowd that their greatest need was spiritual healing. This man needed hope, but these people, they needed spiritual healing. What we need during times of uncertainty and during times of stability is to know and commune with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if we're living in a time right now where everything seems like it's on fire or if we're living in a time of prosperity and the economy's booming and everything's great. Our greatest need in those moments, every moment of our life, is to know and commune with Christ. What we need is to know and commune with Christ. We need the seasons of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. I love that part. A virus-free world, a booming economy, nor a government that does what we want can fix us. Our need is spiritual healing, and we need to know and live in the presence of Jesus. In the medical field, if you show up sick to the hospital... And they can't figure out what's wrong with you, but you have some severe symptoms that are starting to risk your life. They're going to start to treat the symptoms, right? They're going to try to get your fever down. They're going to try to fix any respiratory issues or anything that's going on. They're going to start trying to, 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 to treat the symptoms rather than the root cause of the problem. And usually that's only done to maintain life because the, the goal is to cure the disease. But in life today, so many people are just treating the symptoms of life. Rather than dealing with the disease, they're trying to treat the symptoms of life. We're lonely, so we fill our lives with meaningless relationships. We're sad and depressed, so we try to wash our sorrows away with substances and unhealthy behaviors. We lack purpose and fulfillment, so we, we try to make ourselves feel accomplished by making more money and having more stuff. All of these are symptoms of a greater problem. It doesn't help to try to fix the symptoms. What we have to do is to fix the problem. The disease is sin and the cure is Jesus. Stop treating the symptoms and look to Jesus for the cure. We need healing this morning. And then finally, we need life. Verse 8 says, So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. Can you imagine the change in this guy's life? Can you fathom the radical change in this guy's life? That this day changed this guy's life forever. 
Do you think he was at the temple gate the next day with his mat trying to collect money to make it to the next day? I'd be willing to bet that the next day he was living life. He was living life because he had been healed. I'd be willing to bet that this encounter with the power of God's spirit changed him forever. How do we know this? It says he immediately started walking, leaping, and praising God. He immediately had this new purpose in life to go and proclaim what God had done for him, telling anyone and everyone about what God had done. And it affected those around him. Verse 9, again, it says, All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. God used this guy's healing and transformation for his glory. And again, Peter's using this opportunity to to speak to the crowds and to use it as an an opportunity to share the gospel. And in Acts 3.15, just a few verses down, it says, he tells them, hey, you killed the source of life. He's talking about Jesus. You killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. This morning, your greatest need, again, is to know and commune with Jesus Christ because he is the source of life. And people from the beginning of time have missed this reality. All the crowds of people wanted, to, wanted Jesus for what he could give them. Right? A couple examples of this is his own apostles thought that he was there to bring political freedom to Israel. That's what they wanted out of that relationship. He feeds 5,000 people, Jesus, and then the, then the next day, the, the crowds come back and they're not, they're not seeking to know Jesus. They're seeking more food. They're hungry again. And so since the beginning of time, people have been going to Christ for what Christ can do for them rather than going to Christ for Christ. That's, that's what Jesus gives us is himself. We don't go to Jesus for what he can do for us. We go to Jesus for Jesus. Why? Because our greatest need is to know him because he is the source of life. Not, not the things that he does for us, but he himself is the source of life. Jesus said this in John 10, 10, a famous verse that you, that you all know. A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and you may have an abundance. Christ came so that we can experience life, a full and abundant life. But here's the, the kicker. You have, to, you have to know how do we define life. What is life? How we define life is important. And some people twist it and say that Jesus came so that you can have a comfortable, rich life. That's their view of the abundant life, this American dream of a big house, a nice car, kids who behave, and a 401K, and we perceive that as I'm living the abundant life because I'm living in wealth. Jesus came, didn't come so you can have a nice house, nice cars, or 401K. And if that's your view of what life is, you have a very unbiblical view of life. If your view of life, the abundant life, is more stuff and comfort, then you have a very unbiblical view of what life is. I'm not saying a nice house or a nice car are bad, or having a 401k is bad. What I am saying is if you view that as life, and you've got your priorities all messed up. What is life? Jesus tells us a few chapters later in John, verse 14, again another verse that you would know, he says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This morning, the important thing to know in the midst of all that's going on, in the, in the midst of fear of what the economy may, 
what may happen to the economy or what may happen to our world is that regardless of circumstances, Jesus is life. Jesus is life. Jesus is the abundant life. And, and, And when we want to experience life, we need to know that it's found in knowing and communing with Jesus. So in times of uncertainty, you can still experience life because none of this can stop us from knowing and communing with Jesus. It's during times of struggle and uncertainty that our true self rises to the top. It's in times like these when we see people's real beliefs and who they really are. If our hope, healing, and source of life are all in Jesus, then our response to circumstances are radically different than the world around us. The way that we respond to what's going on should be radically different than everyone else because we know and commune with Christ. We don't fear because we know the comfort of hope. We don't sin because we know the joy of healing. We don't wander because we know the source of life. Christ is the source of life. I, wanna, I posted a video last week, and, and some of you may have seen it. Uh, if I'm honest, I had a moment of, of, of weakness last week where I began to allow these circumstances. I started fixating on the circumstances of life and allow those things to, to rob my hope and rob my healing and rob my life to where I got incredibly just scared and fearful of, of the economic ramifications of this disease and how all of this stuff is going to affect the economy and what that will look like for our church more than anything, to be honest with you. I really started to fear what that would look like for our church because I had other churches and friends in ministry who had done online church, not last week, but the week before, and their, their giving tanked down to like 10%, 10 to 12%, and some even worse. Some churches that I'm friends with online literally had no giving. And so, if I'm honest with you, it, it scared me to death. Like to the point at night I'm laying in bed and I can feel my heart beating because I'm thinking about it too much. And I got really stressed and we came up here to meet and talk about what we were going to do this past Sunday. And we had this plan of doing groups and homes so that we can still commune. And then they shut that down. And so I really started to stress about it. And I was coming back up here after lunch. And just, I like to control things. And this is, this is not an atmosphere where you can control anything, right? We have no control over what's going on right now. And so I feel lost. And I'm getting the car to come back up here after lunch. And I'm stressed. And I'm worrying. And I... The radio kicks on, and it kicks straight from my phone, the Bluetooth, to our fellowship podcast. And it's a sermon that I preached a couple of weeks ago. And, and immediately, I'm annoyed by the fact that that popped up, because I'm like, I don't want to listen to that right now. It's weird to listen to yourself preach, and I'm going to turn it off. So I, I flip, and I hit the radio button, and immediately goes to this George Michael song, Gotta Have a Little Faith. Right? You guys know that song, Gotta Have a Little Faith, Faith, Faith. Yeah, so I, I was like, all right, God, I get it. I'm going to chill out. I'm going to trust you. But if I'm honest, I still was incredibly afraid. And so uh, I came up here. We made plans, and I just had kind of like accepted what was going on. And uh, but still was incredibly fearful for what Sunday was going to look like this past Sunday. And so uh, to give you a little picture of what happened Sunday, our expected giving, what, what we expect to come in, what we budget for is 14000 each week. Over the past few weeks, it's been more like, 10,000, maybe 9,000. It's kind of fluctuated. And so my thought is if we're not meeting, it's going to go down to like 2,000. 
and we're going to struggle to pay bills. And, and Sunday go, happens. It was a great service, and I was encouraged, but I was still afraid. And then Adam texts me and says, hey, just FYI, the plate alone was $20,000. And then, yeah. And then the report came in later this week with online and everything, and it was 26000 total for the week, which is double what we had been bringing, more than double what we have been bringing in weeks past. And so in that moment, it was like God just said, shut up, I got it, all right? Stop freaking out. Don't worry about it. I got this under control. This is my church. It's not your church. It's my church, and I can control and move things at will, and so don't worry about it. I'm in charge of this. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to not allow these circumstances to rob your hope. Don't allow these circumstances to rob your healing and don't allow these circumstances to rob you of life. Because all of those things are not found in, in, in what's going on right now. All of those things are found in Christ, in Christ alone. So don't be discouraged, don't be afraid, don't be fearful because Christ is good and he loves you. He loves you. Remember that our hope is in Jesus. Remember that our healing is in Jesus. And remember that our life is in Jesus. And our greatest need right now is not the eradication of this virus, as much as we want that. Our greatest need is Christ and Christ alone. To know him and to commune with him. Rest in that and you'll find peace. I'm not going to lie to you and say that I'm like just completely comfortable with what's going on right now. I still fear if I'm honest, but I have decided, you know what, these circumstances don't dictate what my life is. I'm going to trust and put my faith in Christ, and I'm going to allow him to do what he does. And if, even, even if everything just goes to mess in the midst of all this, God is still good. God is still good, and God still loves us, and my hope, my healing, and my life are found in him. If you have questions about what it means to know and commune with Christ, or have questions about what it means to become part of fellowship, or just want someone to pray with you, let us know. Even in the midst of times where we can't be close together in proximity, we can still be there for you. So, so come by the office during the week, call the church, message us on Facebook. If you have a need and want someone to pray with you, want to know what it means to know Christ and commune with him, let us know. And we would love an opportunity to have that conversation with you. We would love the opportunity to share Christ with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this, this time together this morning. We thank you for the fact that you love us and you prove that to us. You demonstrated your love for us in that when we were sinners, Christ died for us. We don't have to second guess your love for us in times of trouble, trouble in times when we struggle. We can know that you love us because you demonstrated that love for us on the cross. God, I pray that we would rest in that. That we would trust that you love us. That our faith would be made stronger in times like this because in times like this we can just rest in your arms and find comfort and peace in knowing and communing with you. God, I pray that we would use all of this extra time of isolation to find comfort and peace with you, that we would open up your word and allow it to speak to our hearts, that we would spend time in prayer and allow your spirit to move in us, that we would realize that we're not alone, that we are and can commune with you 
So God, I pray that we would do that. We would find hope, that we'd find healing, we would find life in you, that we'd stop looking at other things and stop trusting other things, including ourselves, to bring those things, hope, healing, and life, but that we would go to you and realize that you are hope, you are healing, and you are life. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. And we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow, give, and go.